disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. So this is a second in a four-part series where we're going to talk to um, several of the candidates on the Republican side for governor of Kentucky. We've talked to Savannah Maddox. This one is my good buddy, Ryan Quarles. By the way, Mike Harmon, Daniel Cameron, Savannah Maddox, Ryan Quarles, they're all friends of mine. So I will not be giving any endorsements. I'm just going to talk to them and let you decide for yourself who you think would be the best one to represent uh, as Kentucky's governor. So we will get into that conversation coming up here in just a second. First, though, a big word from our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. If you haven't checked them out, if you're thinking about putting um, uh, your dream kitchen into place, I highly recommend Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They're at 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville, Kentucky, right on the border of Odom County and Louisville. And the number is 502-930-3304. That's 502-930-3304. You're not going to be sorry. They did our kitchen and our master bath in our home in Oldham County before we sold it. Um, we actually enjoyed it for a couple of years. We really loved the kitchen. But when we moved to Colorado, our house sold in less than a day. And I'm pretty confident a lot of the reason for that is the wonderful work that Tim Montgomery and his crews did on our kitchen. So check them out. They've got cabinets in stock of all styles. They're ready to go. Not affected by the uh, the supply chain issues. And if you want a turnkey kitchen remodel or you already know what you want, either way, good to go. 502-930-3304. And now our conversation with Ryan Quarles, the Agriculture Commissioner of Kentucky who wants to be the next governor. Tell me about uh, smoked bologna. I've never heard of smoked bologna before. Like, I love bologna. My papa used to get, like, these big, thick slices of garlic bologna. And then, um, mm. and then, um, or bologna, as he liked to call it. And then he would, put, <laughs> then he would put these really thick slices of Colby cheese on it and mustard. Oh, oh my god, it was so good. White bread, just basic, basic, basic. But what's smoked bologna? I never heard of it. Well, smoked bologna is one of my favorites because I grew up on a farm, and my dad always had bologna sandwiches. Which, when I was a kid, I didn't know why, but you know, cheap meat, but it tasted great. My dad would take the same pocket knife that he used to cut bailing string, open up <laughs> chemical yes. jugs. Yes. You know, there may have been some manure on it, but all he did is open your pocket knife up, wipe it on your thigh, wipe it on your blue jeans, and it's good to get the kitchen utensil. <laughs> and, oh, get this. Get this. My dad would just buy a loaf of bologna, keep it in the refrigerator at the local uh, restaurant. He'd buy a loaf of bread. And he would just serve his sandwiches throughout the day. And we called him ball knob steaks. So we called him steaks when we growing ball up. So, Dude, how did, we yeah. how did we survive childhood slicing meat with pocket <laughs> knives and drinking out of garden hoses? Like, how did that even happen? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, no, I mean, our immune systems were just, you know, off the charts. But yeah. <laughs> most bologna, so, you know, bologna's already cooked. So what you do is you put the loaf in a regular smoker. Put it in for three to four hours, and what you want to do is you just want to cut it about a half inch, uh, like little trenches every three or four inches, kind of open up the loaf a little bit, rotate it. But three to four hours of smoke on a bologna, oh my god, dude, that oh that actually god. sounds freaking amazing. Like I don't even like I never thought of that. I never even 
heard of it as a thing, and yet I'm sitting here, my mouth is watering. I'm like, put a big old piece of like Velveeta cheese on that. Oh, dude. <laughs> All right, I gotta go buy a Velveeta now. I have to just the thought of that, but but yeah. So like, I I love cooking. Um, it was kind of a COVID project. I love Kentucky Proud, but uh, we're cooking over thirty pounds of meat throughout the night. That's awesome uh, for our Kentucky Department of Agriculture employees, and we do this every year. And uh, we kind of have a competition among the cooks, and so looking forward to it. It's gonna be a long night, but. I'm gonna. I predict there's gonna be a lot of taste testing throughout the evening. That's yeah, all right. That that's the fun to me. That's the funnest part about cooking is like because I make amazing chili. Um, you ever been to? Te- <laughs> you ever been to Ted's Montana Grill? They got one there yes. in Lexington. It uh, used to be at the Summit. It might not be there anymore, but um, yeah, yeah. But there's also one out in uh, Hamburg Pavilion in Lexington, and um, that's like one of our favorite restaurants. And I love those little uh, half sours because my mamaw used to make those. She'd cut up cucumbers from the garden and then she'd put them in like a mix of vinegar and salt and garlic and um, uh, peppercorns and just let it soak for a couple days. And then she'd put that, put that oh. out on the table. And did your mamaw ever make those? Those are really good. Just no, like but half I mean, that's just a, just a perfect example. If you get a hold of a good recipe, don't let yep. it go. I yeah. Mean, my God. So you can look up Ted's Montana Grill Bison Chili Recipe, and if you follow that, like, um, I try to do, like, the low carb most of the time, so I don't really put any beans in it. Plus, I don't think chili's supposed mm-hmm. to have beans. I know Kentucky chili has beans and pasta, but um, but, <laughs> but it it's good. But I'll sit there, man, and I'll be, like, simmering it on the stove, and I'm just standing there just t- half of it's gone by the time I'm ready to serve it because I've been eating it the whole time. <laughs> So, anyway, well, obviously we're talking to uh, Ag Commissioner Ryan Quarles, who is also running to be the next governor of Kentucky. Um, we're going to talk to all three of the major candidates for uh, on the Republican side because here's the crazy thing. I'm friends with all three of them. I love all of y'all. I, I don't think Kentucky could go wrong with their choices. But um, but you and I go way back. Uh, we've, we've shoveled yep. crap together li- quite literally at the state fair. Um, <laughs> You know, so in, in politics is a bunch of crap. I came in first, Leland. I, I beat you. Don't well, forget that. See, I beat you. That's what I was going to say. I was like, politics is a bunch of shoveling crap. And, and frankly, you're 2-0 against me. So may, maybe you could do this <laughs> job. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's right. I'm telling you, this is going to be a hit an historic election in Kentucky for many reasons. Number one, the Republican Party is now finally the majority party in Kentucky. We've never have seen this before. Secondly, we finally have a deep bench. You know, when I was growing up in high school, I remember you had to beg Republicans to run for office. You had to beg Republicans to stand on stage at Fancy Farm and just take the brunt of the attacks. And now you can't find hardly any Democrats that want to go to the Fancy Farm picnic. And a third reason why this will be an historic election in Kentucky is that this will be the first time my prediction, the first time that an incumbent Democrat governor has ever gotten beaten in Kentucky history. It's never happened before. <laughs> that's true. It's never happened before. That's true. And it couldn't happen soon enough. And that's why on June 1st of this year, on Kentucky's 230th birthday, I announced my intentions to run for governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And it has been such a ride so far. And we have a lot of momentum. We have wind in our sails. We have over 150 endorsements from elected officials, including over 20 plus legislators, one third of our judge executives and the magistrates are piling on. But my campaign, Leland, is going to be one about old fashioned networking, Mm -hmm. Uh, getting out, shaking hands, kind of uh, kind of Papio Daniel. We're going to be mass communicating (laughs) across Kentucky and 
and I'm telling people, I'll tell people, I'm going to visit every county twice and every Dollar General store once. I so like you know it. we're going to be busy. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Uh, <laughs> and, and, there, and let me tell you something. There's going to be a lot of Kentuckians packed into them Dollar D- General stores under this inflation with Joe Biden right now because everybody's going to be looking. Oh, my gosh. How do we save some money? Well, I know you're Kentucky through and through. You grew up on a farm. You you have you still farm. Um, you've got a farm in Shelby, uh, not Shelby, uh, uh, in, up in um, Georgetown area. We're in Scott right? County. Yeah, Scott yep, County, right? Scott County, like, yep. yep. Um, what what is being a lifelong farmer? What what do you take from that life that you think helps you be better fit to be the governor of a state that is a high producer for agriculture but that's not all that kentucky does so so what from all of that background that you have do you think helps you be better prepared to be governor well first off there's nothing like growing up on a family farm and that is the case for countless kentuckians and the lessons that i learned growing up raising tobacco and cattle and corn wheat and soybeans is this is that you cannot have a substitute for a work ethic you have to have a hard work ethic Right. And that's what you're going to get out of me. You're going to get a candidate that's going to work themselves to exhaustion every single day. Uh, we're going to get out and travel to the ends of the earth across Kentucky. And that's the first lesson. The second lesson about growing up on a farm is that you work until the job is done. You don't quit 430. You work until the job is done. You take care of your neighbors. And that's one thing that I've noticed in our rural communities is that we still have a real sense of community across Kentucky about helping each other out. And finally, the farm lifestyle uh, made me appreciate the value of a dollar. What we're seeing today are massive handouts, massive government spending, and inflation that is destroying the lower and middle class, people who don't have the ability to park financial assets in in non-currency means. And so what we're seeing right now is a desperate need for leadership, both in Frankfurt and, my God, in Washington, D.C., because I believe we're in a recession. As much as Joe Biden and his team is trying to say that a recession is not a bad thing, we are going to experience some tough times. And for folks here in Kentucky, the folks that I know, we need a governor that's going to stand up against Joe Biden's inflation, against the border crisis, against uh, out-of-control government spending. And we need a president that's going to stand up, stand up, Excuse me, the governor's going to stand up against a president that has an out-of-control EPA yeah. and other agencies that just, that just try to constrain businesses instead of allowing them to grow. Have you, and that's one of the many reasons why I'm running. Have you looked into or done any research on how much the EPA has actually cost Kentucky in terms of agriculture, in terms of just like what it costs to do the farming? I mean, you you experience i'm sure some of this but yeah um, and and also economically in terms of energy right i mean you know gas and coal are both things that kentucky exports um that's right it's been you devastated know, have you looked into how much that's actually cost the kentucky economy over time you know we've been blessed by god to have a state that has natural resources we have a lot of land we have timber we have oil and gas in kentucky and i think that uh, Kentuckians should not be forced to choose between $5 gasoline <laughs> and an expensive electric vehicle, which, by the way, the electric vehicles are powered by, you guessed it, Kentucky coal. Right. So coal-powered electric vehicles. Now, the economic damage, I, I don't know, but I can tell you this. When you go and talk to a coal miner in eastern Kentucky or that may have moved to my hometown in Georgetown for a job because the coal mines were shut down during the Obama administration, 
if you go and talk to a person in the timber industry or an ag whose administrative burden is now continuing to go up uh, because of regulations, not from Frankfurt, but from Washington, D.C., you know, that's the real hurt that I see. Yeah. That's the real hurt that I see. And we just had a great win in the Supreme Court where the EPA had its wrist slapped. Basically, it said this, hey, EPA, you cannot go on mission creep beyond what Congress has prescribed in law. And, oh, by the way, if Congress is silent on a particular issue, you're not in control of it. The states are. So right. it goes back to the states. And so that's another area where we just got to make sure that we are as vigilant as possible to make sure that there's job growth here, real job growth in Kentucky, and that we get to benefit from the natural resources we have, which brings me to my next point, Leland. Right. We have a job, we have a workforce development crisis in Kentucky. We've got to get people back to work. Um, there's plenty of jobs, and when you see inflation combined with higher interest rates and the Fed's about to move again, I think this week, stagflation setting in we have got to create a culture and an educational system where we encourage people to enter the workforce you know when i was growing up on a farm if i wanted a bicycle now this is going to date me it's going <laughs> to date me or if i wanted a cd player i had to i had to work for it right i had to save up and work for it and you know what i appreciated that bicycle or CD player kept it in good shape because I knew how long it took me to save up for it. Yeah. We've got to get back to the basics, stop the handouts, stop the massive spending and stand up against this out of control. And let's just be honest. Uh, Biden is just uh, disconnected. He's disconnected yeah. with rural America. Dude. I, I remember one summer, um, we didn't have any money and, and I needed a bike cause mine broke down. And so my buddies and I, we took off, I rode on the back of one of theirs to the dump. And, uh, I had, I think I had, um, I think I had a set of handlebars is all I had that, that really could be salvaged from the other one. And so we, yeah, we, it was a full day project. We rummaged through the dump all day until I had built the bike. <laughs> I, yes. And, and then, I rode that the rest of the summer because my parents are like, look, your bike's broken. It's on you, man. We bought that for you for Christmas. You can't get another one till Christmas. And I had to go. But I also remember, you know, wanting Nike Air uh, tennis shoes to be able to play basketball. And my parents yep. gave me $20 to buy shoes. And that only bought those little zaps at Walmart. And so <laughs> I, I said, Dad, all the guys have Nikes. He's like, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, and I had to go get a job and clean a nasty, you know, uh, a grease room sure. at the, on a fast food restaurant in order to be able to afford my Nikes. But dude, I kept them so clean that they, they lasted me until my feet out outgrew them because I, I was so proud of them, man. Got those big old fat Nike air force tongues hanging out my acid wash jeans. Did, they about, pumps on, did, you, did you pump them up? Dude, I never, I never could afford the pumps, dude. Those were, oh, yeah. those were a hundred dollars in 1994, man. Oh I, my God. Hey, I had to save up for the you know 65. <laughs> That bicycle you built together uh, reminds me of that Johnny Cash song about uh, building a Cadillac <laughs> yes, over like, 12 yeah. years. Yes, so. <laughs> Mine didn't have any brakes, yeah. so that was – my brakes were my shoes, right? Like I would have to wear – Red Flintstone brakes? Yes, yeah. yeah, you jam that shoe in there as you're running down the hill. But what was cool is you made that skid mark in the dirt, man. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> We're talking. You talk about dating ourselves. Do kids even know about that kind of stuff, man? We we used to have a, 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 a get this. We'd have a movie store, 
like where you could rent videos, and they made the best, yeah. they made the best sub sandwich in the world. And it was downtown, and we get on our bikes in the summertime and haul down there, and you get a big thirty-two ounce Coca Cola and uh, and a sub sandwich, and then you know rent a movie, and then during the heat of the summer, you just go back and close all the curtains and lay around and watch movies the rest of the day. Those were the days, man. It's crazy. Man. Now now people just watch it on their phone. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right yeah tiger king could only last could only save america for so long uh you know that that came out at the exact right time Didn't it kept us captivated oh my god kept it, captivated. you're so right so let, <laughs> let, let's jump into a couple of issues that that i want to get your comments yeah. on um first of all uh something that i have pestered every kentucky governor all the way back to steve Bashir uh, about is eliminating chicken sandwich. Chicken sandwich. Yes, chicken. No, Governor Chicken Biscuit. That's what I called him. Chicken Biscuit. Yeah. Yes. You, you know what was funny? Just a side note, Rabbit Trail. People that know me know I chase these. Steve Bashir. I actually have a, a more respect for him than than you would think, in the sense that the man understood. Like we had this sort of adversarial love hate relationship when he was governor. Um, he would come on my show, and I would make fun of him. And then we would sit together at UK basketball games and just hang out and talk about stuff that wasn't politics. His son never could do that. He 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 his his skin's too thin. I mean, Steve Bashir yeah, met the committee of one, and he is. that's what happened during yes. COVID. He yes. refused to work with Republicans. If there was ever a time during crisis management to work with both parties. He went eight months without speaking to members of House and Senate leadership. Right? Could you imagine being the CEO of a company <laughs> and never and talking not meeting to your, your board yeah. for eight months? I yeah. mean, that's what happened. And we reached out to him concerning the meat shortage. We saw the meat shortage coming right. down the pipe, and we reached out to him, and it was radio silence. Wow. Radio silence. Wow. And we knew we had to keep the meat processors open. Right. And next thing you know. The unions, which represent a lot of the meatpacking employees in Louisville, reached out to me, and I said, "Yes, we got to do something." Yeah, and yeah. so we we just tried to work together. We have a governor that is probably the most partisan one that I remember in my lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the reason. That's the reason why we deserve better. Someone that's not going to veto everything. You know, yeah. someone that's not going to stew everything. The governor is suing me over the Kentucky State Fair right now. Uh, it's, he's wasting, he's wasting my time and your tax money. It's ridiculous. And I'm telling you that my mom taught me when I was growing up on the farm, a teaspoon of honey goes a lot further than a jar of vinegar. Absolutely. And that's exactly what we have. And Andrew Bashir is someone that just thinks that if you don't get your way, then just veto. What is his beef? Go sue people. people. What's his beef with, uh, pun intended with, the, the state fair that with what you're doing, what what is he suing you about with that? What is that about? He's suing me because I think, I mean, I think it's because the legislature passed a law that changed the fact that he could not appoint the chairman. Oh, see, yeah. See, listen, listen to this radical idea. Leland. This is so radical. The legislature thinks that the board should elect who the chairman should be instead <laughs> of the governor appointing the chairman i know that sounds crazy right but but the board itself now elects the chairman now it's it's making its way up it's quarrels versus this year it's big <laughs> it's a big nothing burger it's wasting time and let me tell you something politically politically it shows you everything you need to know yeah that that when we have 
uh, a huge crisis going on in Kentucky. Going through COVID, going through everything else, it's really complicated right now. He is spending your taxpayer money suing us over the Kentucky State Fair, which, by the way, I think is a wonderful family-oriented uh, event. So please come on out, come on out this year. Yeah, but that just yeah. shows you, in, a, in just one quick example, that this guy has no intention of working with both parties. Right. Right. Um, all right. So let's let's get into this. Um, how would you? I, I want to come back to the tax thing because I was going to talk to you about eliminating the state's income tax, but. Before we do so, yeah, we gotta get rid of it. Well, well, good. All right. Well, that's that's good. Check mark done. All right. So the next one, I wanted to know how you would have responded as governor to to COVID, and and I know we're somewhat oh. armchair quarterbacking here because we're after the fact and we have the benefit of hindsight is twenty twenty. But um, I did. You and I were in contact quite a bit during COVID, and and there was I I don't sense that you ever had any lack of ability to understand what was actually happening and react to it. So so how would you have done it? differently well first off i would have worked together instead of having a press conference uh every day uh about just one person and how uh, the governor himself is going to save our state i would have had uh meetings with both members of the republican party and democrat party and the constitutional officers and business folks right to make sure that look, if we're going to uh, look at some sort of health procedure, whether uh, you know there's a lot of disinformation that's going around at the beginning, we didn't quite know what was going on. That instead of making the decisions unilaterally, I would have brought in the business leaders and said, "Hey, look, if Kroger and Walmart and the big box stores are allowed to stay open, please, please let's work together. Let's figure out how to keep Main Street Kentucky open as well." Which yeah. he didn't even entertain. Here's well, another example. Well, he shut down the restaurant. He shut down the restaurants. And as soon as the data showed that the transmission rates were less than 2% of all COVID transmissions, which, by the way, all that data is, is we don't even know if it's good data. But right. anyway, once it was showed that restaurants were not a source of transmission, he still kept them closed. Right. For me, I would have worked with the business uh, community. I would have worked with their industry representatives to try to figure out a way, like Tennessee did, like Florida did, to keep us open, even while we're trying to figure out what was going on with this terrible, terrible disease. Right, right. Yeah, I, I you know, there was no better example than the fight. My my buddy Andrew Cooper Ryder did not want that fight. You know, his his uh brew or his you know his his coffee yep. house in Lexington became kind of a lightning rod for them. And, and yep. what was it? Beans up in Northern Kentucky. Um, you know, these are small cafes that were like, we didn't want this fight, but you're, you're killing our livelihood here. And, and that, that was no better example of the fact that the governor never actually reached out to businesses. That was the thing that blew no. my mind. And I, I feel like on a national level, that was all part of a coordinated effort to take out a sitting president. It was, let's shut down the economy. We'll leave our cronies and the woke big businesses open. They'll make massive profit. All the moms and pops will suffer, but it'll crush the economy and that'll, that'll take Trump out. I, and I, I just think. I just think Andy Bashir went along to get along with 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 his his cronies in the left and and just did those things without regards to data. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. And I think that's correct. And you're even seeing some of that damage even today. There's untold number of mom and pop, especially restaurants. Yeah, that are gone forever. Yeah, they're gone forever. They're not coming back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's there's one in Lexington that shut down last week because they never recovered financially. Yeah, uh, pickets drive drive in uh, from COVID, and yeah, I know the I, owner of that one pretty well. 
and that just shows you that, that here we are two plus years. Are you, into did, this are, wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about Parquet? Parquet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I was so sad. I saw that on social media, dude. Okay. So when I was a kid, before we moved to Arizona, we went to, uh, we used to be members of, um, uh, Richmond road community church, which then moved over to, um, uh, Liberty road. It became Liberty road community church. Um, and that, we would every now and then for a real treat, man, a real treat. We'd get to go after church on Sunday night to the park at nice. drive in and we'd have yep. a pool boy. And I'll, I mean, so you want to talk about a Kentucky freaking tradition that when I saw that, it literally broke my heart. And, and I don't know if it was COVID or complications from COVID, but God, man, what a what a what a legendary restaurant to be gone yeah. forever. And kids that, that won't grow up and see that old sign you know i just ah it breaks my heart man it kills me and let me tell you something that i think that there's a lot of kentuckians that look back that look back and said look this is something we've never lived through before and of course at the beginning when there's a lack of information we just don't know what's going on yeah but now here we are two plus years in and now jefferson county public schools are mandating masks for everybody right including, including kindergartners jeez unbelievable um, and, and like, I feel like, I feel like we're at the point, we're at the point where we need to be smart about this and learn to live with it. And, yeah. and, and, and I'm all about making sure we take care of our neighbors and make sure we take care of those who are the most vulnerable. And I've been very consistent on that, but we also make got to make sure that our rights, our freedoms and liberties, which are enshrined in both the U S and Kentucky constitutions are not violated right. that they're not violated yeah you can do more than one thing at once and i think that when the history books are written uh you know 50 75 years from now people are going to look back and say oh my gosh how how in the world how in the world did this regulation this recommendation be tolerated yeah. be tolerated by americans yeah it's it's sad um, another issue I would like to get your thoughts on because and i ask i'm going to ask this of everybody in the race um because I think it's an important thing. You know, my family's all from Shelby County. That's home to me. Um, but I love mm -hmm. all of Kentucky and I, I have a special place in my heart for Eastern Kentucky. And that is a part of the state that has been largely often forgotten, um, left behind in a lot of ways. And nobody really knows how to solve this issue. Um, how would you go about trying to revive Eastern Kentucky's economy? Great question. I'm in Eastern Kentucky every single week, and there are some natural gems out there that I think uh, to, could put Eastern Kentucky on the map. Uh, number one, it is an outdoor playground, and we need to uh, harness the idea of making Eastern Kentucky our version of a tourist capital of Appalachia. And I'm not talking about reinventing Dollywood. Now, Dolly right. Parton is a <laughs> Is an American treasure. Nicholas Cage should be, uh, you know, um, be her bodyguard. She's an American treasure. I get it. But we need to promote the outdoors. And what am I talking about? We're talking about horse riding, trail riding, ATV parks, zip lining, hunting. People will pay a lot of money from the cities to come out and hunt, especially with our elk population out there. We need to be promoting canoeing uh a water sports as well and so if you stop and think about it if you're in say uh an atv or side-by-side -side circuit or club 
there's actually only a few places in, in this area within driving distance that you can go because a lot of folks are, have a lot of restrictions on that. Let's embrace it. Let's right. embrace that and say, come here. Then you add in the natural beauty of the national parks, Daniel Boone National Parks. We've got the Red River Gorge. We're already attracting rock climbers from around the world every summer. And let's build up a tourist hub that's second to none. Yeah. Um, secondly, go ahead. Sorry. Secondly, there, there's we have made progress with local foods in Eastern Kentucky that we have built farmers markets. And one of the best things about Eastern Kentucky is the culture with the music. You add in the food. You add in the fact that there uh, that there's a story behind that recipe. And I really do think that we are doing a a decent job of getting items from Eastern Kentucky onto the shelves of Kroger, onto the shelves of Meyer, and others across the state. And so that's the second prong of it. And plus you add in the fact that the sheep and goat populations from Eastern Kentucky are skyrocketing right now. And so there's people making money off historic historic, uh, Appalachian breeds of, of sheep right now. And so that's just the beginning and then, of course, the last prong for Eastern Kentucky that, that I really think I really think that we can have some traction on is that if we're going to make this massive public investment in the high-speed quality and affordable Internet, we need to attract the jobs that people during COVID left the big cities from because they don't, they're tired of high rents, they're tired of commutes, um, and attract them out to the more rural areas, let them – um, let them bring their business to us. So we have to have that high speed quality internet in order to make uh, jobs portable. Yeah. And so that's something that I think we just need to double down on. One thing that I would, I would roll in there and, and I, I'm kind of passionate about this because uh, it's, everybody always talks about tourism, in Eastern Kentucky. I've, I've been all over that part of the state. Um, I've been fortunate to, to have friends and to travel down through you know, uh, everywhere from Hazard to Pikeville. By the way, funny story. Um, I was in Hazard. This was early in my radio career. I was actually working for WRVG, which Georgetown College used to own there in Scott County. And um, yep. during uh, Bill Clinton's American Poverty Tour, you remember that? I do. Right. I do. So he he comes to Kentucky with um, uh, with uh, Jesse Jackson, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, and and they're they're going to go to Hazard, and so. They sent me down to cover this event for the radio station, and so I drove all the way down to Hazard, and um, you know we're standing out there, the blazing hot sun. It's a it's a July day in Kentucky, you know, typical July day. It's humid, it's, it's nasty, <laughs> yeah. you know. There's probably about seventeen, eighteen, nineteen thousand people jammed into downtown Hazard, waiting for the president to speak. And um, I'm standing, I'm in the, this was back in the days before, you know, Secret Service just took a peek in my bag and let me through. That was it. That's all I had to do. And I'm standing in the press area. There's a rope line that keeps the press area kind of right here close to the front row. Uh-huh. Uh, but we're, we're behind some of the people. And I'm standing next to a CNN camera guy who's filming. And uh, the president hasn't arrived yet. He's chronically late, as Clinton always was. And the CNN guy... <laughs> looks at me and he goes, my God, how many people are down here? And I said, I think there's about 17,000. And he goes, that's got to be the most this little town has ever had. And right in front of us in the crowd was a woman. She went about 350, I think. Tank top. Turned around. Nice little mullet. Turned around. She goes, nuh-uh. When the Dukes of Hazard come down here, we had 50,000 people in town. <laughs> 
was so awesome. So 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 Bill Clinton spoke. Um, uh, Jesse Jackson spoke, and the great Kay Wood Ledford spoke. Kay Wood. Who yes. do you think got the greatest ovation from the crowd? Oh, no question. No question. I mean, Kay Wood, I can't tell you how many nights I spent stripping tobacco in a cold stripping room. Listening to the uh, games. Which, by the way, you got to make sure you clarify, stripping room is the name of a tobacco <laughs> uh, room, the patch of tobacco barns where you harvest tobacco. Lexington um, Herald Leader reports listen. Ryan Quarles was a stripper <laughs> in high school. Yeah, well, look, Kay Wood, Kay Wood called the games, man. That's, uh, yeah. that's my childhood. That's I, amazing. As you know, I used to do play-by-play for Georgetown College and then um, uh, worked with Eastern Kentucky University and then ended up doing some pre- and post-game for UK. But uh, I, I, my original love for radio was was play-by-play. And so I, I had these because I worked for Host Communications, Jim Host, great dude, freaking love yep. that guy. He's been yep. a mentor all my life, uh, gave me so much opportunity and, and advice and stuff over the years. Um, known for his 6 a.m. staff meetings, too. That's right. Uh, oh, my God. Dude, if you're not he on time. He was an let, early riser. <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> the, the only reason I was able to survive working for Jim Host is because my dad's the same way. So I fit right in, right? But, no, I love that guy, right. and he's been a mentor. But um, I, I, So I worked for his organization. I was able to get some old tapes of Kaywood calling games, and I would fall asleep yeah. at night listening to Kaywood calling classic games to help yeah. me get better at calling. Anyway, that's a total rabbit trail. But the point I was going to make was I love Eastern Kentucky. I love the people. I love the culture like nothing else. And everybody always talks about tourism, and I want the world to see this place. And I'm like, man, we need to get an interstate spur in there, one that cuts across from from Lexington. You know, maybe, maybe it's uh, – I don't know if there's an 86 or a 96 or whatever, but it goes from Lexington or 73, Interstate 73, whatever – Let's go out of Lexington straight across that bottom corner of Kentucky and connect down around Johnson City, Tennessee, or someplace like that, or Wise, Virginia, or whatever. And that way people can actually get in and out of there easily. And maybe that maybe that opens up that corridor to make it what you said originally, that sort of outdoor playground because it's easy access. And maybe some of those towns develop in a way we never thought. I don't know. What do you think of that? And I think it would also increase, you know, let's, we can have bed and breakfast, hotels. Yeah. Um, it's just, I, I, I really do think that, that the folks that I know in Eastern Kentucky, the beauty that I see every time I drive out there is that there's an untapped potential that yes. I think these communities can embrace. And because I've seen it, I've seen it done in Owen County, uh, which is kind of right in the middle of the so-called Golden Triangle, right between Northern Kentucky, Louisville, and Lexington, where people are willing to drive just to get away, yeah. just to get away. Yeah. And the Kentucky I know is is a beautiful place, friendly people. We embrace the outdoors, and that's something that I really do think that could attract folks. And again, in this post COVID post COVID world, we can attract jobs. People want to move there and uh, plug their computer in, put in a hard day's work there, and just enjoy. What, what God created for us. The only thing I want to make sure we do, if we, if, and I know this isn't the governor. The governor can't necessarily, you can campaign for an interstate. You can't necessarily make it happen. But, um, you know, with the right changes in Washington, potentially. But I'd want to protect that elk population because one of the greatest gems of Kentucky in terms of yeah. tourism for eastern Kentucky has been that elk population. And no, nobody grows them bigger than, than Kentucky does. And, and people from all over the world come to Kentucky now to hunt elk. 
including former President Donald Trump's son. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great. But I just want people to be able to get in there and access it and see what it is because I've done a lot of camping over there and hiking and stuff. And I'm just telling you, the people are great. The people are just like every other Kentuckian. They're hospitable. They they love having visitors and. You know, it, that that area gets a bad rap nationally, and, and and we can turn that around. I really think we can turn that around because the people are not what people think they are outside the state. Drives me nuts. I hate that. Drives me nuts. So, anyway. And, and speaking, hey, speaking of hunting, I am the outdoorsman in this race. <laughs> I don't think you're going to see uh, Andy Bashir out there in deer stand no, anytime soon. Well, I, you might. For, for It'll be the, 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 the infamous John Kerry uh, duck hunting. Uh, uh, <laughs> remember when it, he had somebody else was carrying his duck because you know he didn't shoot that shotgun. You know he didn't do it. <laughs> and look, there's over 700,000. Uh, 700, hunters and anglers in Kentucky. And for me, I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect our outdoorsman uh, community. Yeah. I think it's, in, it's something we can embrace out of West Kentucky. Great duck hunting. A lot of people yeah. my in the state don't know that great duck hunting. And that's something we just need to embrace. You know, we're, we're starting to see another round of attack on our guns and just uh, um, uh, unconstitutional uh, provisions passed by Congress again. And we just got to make sure. We just got to make sure that we make both Andy Bashir and President Biden both one termers. Yeah, we've got to heal. We've got to heal this nation. Yeah, we have to heal this nation. And again, going back to the economy, uh, I'm a student of history mainly because I can't sleep at night. So I'll, I'll go down these rabbit holes and watch documentaries and read up on this stuff uh, as an econ. Uh, have a master's in economics, but. But I think there's a whole generation of a whole generation of Kentuckians that do not understand or know what it was like to live in the late seventies and early eighties yeah. where stagflation literally robbed, robbed the life savings yep. out of the lower middle class. Yeah. And we've got we've got it. I mean, look, the, the Fed the Fed needs to be audited. Um we've got to stop the massive pumping of currency into the economy. We've got to stop the massive government spending. And and on top of all that, the interest rates, the interest rates uh, should have been adjusted a long time ago. And now we're going to see overcorrection by the yep. Federal Reserve, which just it just put, it throws water on the fire when it should have been adjusted along the way. Yeah. And then, you know, Janet Yellen, even Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, said that we had uh, unacceptable inflation rates. And, and meanwhile, you know, Joe Biden's overseas fist bumping of folks that he's trying to uh, buy uh, oil from. And <laughs> I think that we need to return to a, an American, American energy independence policy. Yeah. That we should be able to produce it here, not, uh, not force everyday Kentuckians to, to choose between expensive heating oil, gasoline, uh, energy rates that are going up and, and, and green energy. And, and I, and I advocate for all forms of energy production. Right. Right. renewable we should embrace all of it but we shouldn't have to be it shouldn't have to be mandated or shoved down our throat i agree I, our mutual friend and uh, democrat adam edlin is doing some pretty innovative things in the solar industry in eastern kentucky which i think can be part of that economic process but 
but it it can't be forced on us. You know, it, it no. absolutely can't. Uh, Janet Yellen, you mentioned her. Doesn't she look like America's financial mammal? Like I feel like I feel like every time Aww, she every time she Leland. come on every time she goes on Aww. national TV I like I feel like she's gonna hand a big plate of cookies to Jake Tapper and then talk about currency and I'm, I'm like I'm like she's doesn't see she looks like America's financial memo I'm just saying um all right you got uh, what are you hunting this year anything I know you're busy I uh, love hunting wild turkey I love eating wild turkey it's great of uh, course a uh, deer. But my favorite, of course, I go fishing all the time, but my favorite hunting season is dove hunting. Okay. I love dove hunting uh, because you're almost certainly going to have some fun out in the field. Uh, we usually have big cookouts afterwards. And then uh, we have a dove hunting community here in central Kentucky that you can just get out, see some friends, uh, shoot. Uh, you, you can claim that you're the one that shot the dove, even though someone else shot it across the field. <laughs> and, uh, and just have a good time. Just have a good time. So I, I need to, <laughs> you need to come out here uh, to Colorado, where I live now, and, and elk hunt with me sometime. I, I got a, a tag this year. Well, I've, I've gotten – this will be my third one. I still don't know what I'm doing. It's Elk hunting is totally different than deer hunting. And deer, oh, deer yeah. hunting out here is totally different than deer hunting in Kentucky. In Kentucky, you basically sit in a stand and wait for them to come to you. And there's plenty, but out here you got to track those mule deer across. You got to track them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and you got and you probably have more distance, more distance oh, on your shots. Dude. If I had to guess. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Like I, 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 I probably can get. Well, with a mule deer, I can definitely get within you know 150 yards. Um, but yeah. but with a with a with an elk, it's going to be pretty challenging. Last last year, we were three days up on Grand Mesa on the western slopes, and it was uh, zero degrees and snowing. And Oof. we, the last day, the, the, the weather broke and it was sunny and we were glassing from one side of this Canyon, uh, across to the other side of the Canyon where a buddy of mine had kind of set us up. He's like, this is where you need to be. Yeah. And down in there was this sort of idyllic Alpine Valley, you know, with, uh, streams running through it, which is a great spot for elk to kind of settle in that Valley meadows and, and trees and stuff. And, um, so what, uh, we got the last day, the, the weather broke and, we were glassing up on top of this Mesa Ridge and we're looking down and sure enough, there's a cow elk, but we had a bull tag way down there in the valley, oh, just, just yeah. bunching on grass all by herself. And we, we realized based on the map and the topography that in order to get there was a seven mile hike. And then we were just oh running the chance that maybe there might be a bull elk down there somewhere, which probably not. So there was at that point we had to pack up and go home. But we've come close twice now, but I'm hoping this year we actually get something. I have a different unit, which is up pretty high altitude. It's between uh, Aspen and uh, Gunnison, Colorado, which is way up in the mountains. And uh, hopefully, um, hopefully Dang. we'll get something this year. But yeah, you should what, come out. What kind of rifle? What kind of rifle are you so use? So I use I use a Ruger American thirty out six. Um, I use yeah. that for both muleys as well as, as elk. Obviously I say I use it. I've never shot an elk. I mean, again, I'm three years into this and I've, I've never, I hope you get it. Don't, yeah, hope I do too. It. My God, it'll fill my freezer. You for, can smoke, smoke it right there next to that baloney. Right. Uh, it, there smoke. you go. That's right. Well, it's funny. I got a, one of the things I like about living out here is, is all the, uh, all the, um, uh, the outdoors access. And, you know, I've got some folks that I work with in business that are guides and former special forces dudes and, they they're they they have pack out businesses and you know they're giving me mm -hmm. all the ins and outs and the the lowdown on where to go and how to get in there and stuff so yeah so it's been a fun summer because I'm actually going up to the re region 
and and just taking my dog back in there and hiking and trying to get to know the area and, and the lay of the land so when it comes wintertime or fall when we're down there we'll know a little bit more about it but anyway uh right. what's what's your favorite gun well i i'm a i'm a rifleman okay. i grew up shooting listen to this i i learned how to shoot correctly correctly through kentucky 4-h now there's yeah. other people that may have taught me different ways but uh we used to bring air rifles into the high school back in the high school to practice when i was a kid yeah and that was before the school shoots and right. so it was not a big deal you practice we had a police officer there teaching us how to do it safely correctly and then we moved it uh, we moved it across the road to the county park uh to practice so i always grew up with rifles and so my, I've got an AR-15, um, but I think my favorite rifle to shoot is a Remington 700. Oh, nice! The 308. Yep. And you can put some you can put some real distance on it. And at, at one of our properties, we can get up to about a thousand yards. Yeah. And and that's what I like. That's it's awesome. challenging. You're competing against yourself. It's like golf, so you know you kind of cuss a lot at yourself. And mess up. <laughs> but. But for me, it's, it's the slow and steadiness of that. Yeah. Uh, that I just I really enjoyed the precision of the well-made rifle. Yeah. My first my first rifle was a Marlin twenty two, and I I won yes. I won a turkey shoot with it when I was twelve years old. So yep. Um, it was cool. Well, anyway, well, listen, Ryan, it's always good to talk to you. It's good to catch up. Um, thanks for sharing your thoughts on on what a governorship would be if if you're elected and. You know, I'm sure we'll talk again as the race gets going and, yeah. and we'll have you on again and all that. But uh, really enjoyed it today. And, and I know you got a lot of meetings to get to, so I'll let you get going. Good luck with the state fair this year. I well, wish I could be there to shovel poo with you again. I really do. But uh, I won't it, miss the it's heat. It's okay. You're, you're, just, you're just like Andy Bashir. You, you have a <laughs> scheduling conflict. Uh, with fancy, with, with, you are to the state fair when he is the fancy farm. No, you got to show up. Yep. But, hey, if folks want to learn more, visit my website, ryancorals.com. And, look, Leland, this is going to be a historic election. I'm going to say it on your show today. I'm running to win. Awesome. But no matter who the nominee is, I'm going to get behind them because we got to make sure we have a new governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky next year. It's so important. We have a lot of friends in this primary. It's important to realize that we've got to work together. We have to unite, and we have to get people out the vote. So, Yep. God bless you, and good luck hunting. All appreciate right. it. Appreciate you, brother. Talk to you later. See you know what I took the most out of that conversation? I think I'm going to have to have some smoked bologna. I appreciate Ryan Quarles coming on to the program. Big thanks to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. 6200 Hit Lane, right on the border of Oldham and Louisville. Uh, Oldham County and Louisville. If you're in southern Indiana, Oldham County or Louisville, this is your place if you're thinking about remodeling your kitchen. You know, the Dream Kitchen is within reach. All you got to do is call this one number, 502-930-3304, 502-930-3304. Their designers are standing by waiting to talk to you about getting your Dream Kitchen in order for you. And you don't have to take my words for it. Um, Kathy writes in, I work with Tim and his team on a kitchen remodel and couldn't be happier. I'll use them again if I ever have another kitchen bath project. They did our kitchen and our master bath. And we freaking loved it. Such a good job, such high-quality craftsmanship, and it changed the way we lived in our home for the better. The number is 502-930-3304, 502-930-3304. Check them out at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. 
Com. Thanks to Dynamics Audio Productions for their help with this program. They do all the audio for us. And a big thanks to you for listening. Over 110,000 downloads and climbing. Can you believe that? That's awesome. So keep it up. Share it with your friends. It's a free download and a free subscription at iHeartRadio's app, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And uh, we are here for you. So just share it out. Get it out there. Get new episodes put into your pocket every time they come out. Um, and again, a big thanks to you. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Leland Show and on Instagram at Greatly Londo. Thanks for listening to the Disruption Zone. <laughs>